Okay, so before we get to the episode, I want to let you all know about a show that I'm putting up this Friday, Friday, March 24th, 2017, at 11.30 p.m. called The Great 38. It'll be an explosive evening of stand-up and sketches featuring some of the best comedians in the city, and it's all going down at the legendary Magnet Theater in New York. It's going to be a sketches and party and fun and drinking. Uh, The Great 38, this Friday, Friday, March 24th, at 11.30 p.m., at the Magnet Theater. For reservations and information, check out magnettheater.com or jarrettberenstein.com and click on the calendar. That is all I will say about it. This is the last week I'm going to talk about it. So now, enjoy the episode. How is it going, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of my radio show, Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. If this is the first episode of Famous Dead People that you're checking out, thank you so much for uh, for listening. I really appreciate that. I wish that you were here in person. I could give you a real solid high five in exchange for that solid. I hope that you like the show and that you find it hilarious and informative. It originally broadcasts as a radio show out of Radio Free Brooklyn, so keep that in mind while you're listening. You're about to hear the episode where I interview Jimi Hendrix, played by comedian Joe Miles, and Mahatma Gandhi, played by legendary improviser and teacher Armando Diaz. That was a real treat, getting him down to the studio. Uh, If you like the show and you want to shoot us an email or you want to hear an interview with your favorite Famous Dead People, hit us up at FamousDeadPeopleShow at gmail.com. We love hearing from fans, and we'll try to get your dead person on the show as soon as possible. Subscribe to the podcast, rate us five stars on iTunes, comment, all that stuff helps. If you see me on the street and you say that you recommended the show to a friend or you rated us five five stars, you shared it on your social media, I'm going to give you the biggest hug and high five. I swear to fucking God, man. So for now, enjoy Jimi Hendrix and Mahatma Gandhi only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Time to start the show. Famous dead people. People you know. Famous dead people. Famous dead people. The story stuck in the head. You're gonna hear vocal from even though all these people are dead. My guests today on Famous Dead People are American rock guitarist, singer, and songwriter Jimi Hendrix and civil rights and Indian independence leader Mahatma Gandhi. Jimi Hendrix, Mahatma Gandhi. Thank you so much for joining us at right. uh, Famous Dead People Hi today. Hi there. All right, how's it going? Now, yeah, I feel uh, a little dumb even admitting this, but I had always assumed that Mahatma was your first name, but it's not. That's an honorific, isn't that right? Yeah, it's um, it's Mohandas, you know, mm-hmm. but you could call me uh, Bapu or, you know, just <laughs> Gandhiji. Or... Bapu is what they call you. It's like father, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, I read that Mahatma is high-souled. Right? Yeah, yeah. That must have been a really good, I don't know, that must have been a really satisfying turning point in your life when these honorifics started rolling in, like these high-class nicknames that people were giving you, like, as a sign of respect, right? Well, you know, I, uh, it's a little much for me. Mm, what, like, you think that uh, maybe you were uh, embarrassed by how, you know, praise praiseworthy your life had become? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm just a simple guy, you know, mm. just trying to make a living. Just trying to make a living in the, uh, in the civil rights business? Yeah, basically. All right. I mean, that, I can't imagine that that would have been, uh, easy, you know, or a, a lucrative industry. Yeah, I guess I was a pioneer. <laughs> All right. And, uh, Jimi Hendrix, you didn't have any nicknames or anything, right? Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Well, just Jimmy. Jimmy's a nickname 
that mm-hmm. my friends gave me for James. Well, I know that uh, I think were, you were born John, and then you changed your name. Right, then to I changed people's my name. name to... There was one dude who said that he was like, "You got to, you got to stop spelling it J I M M Y and start and just do J I M I." He could only remember four letters. <laughs> do you uh, remember who that was? Yeah, that was um, Peanut. He that, was only, a, that was a guy named Peanut? It was a guy, a friend of mine named Peanut. All right. Uh, he could only remember four letters, and uh, he was pretty insistent that I make it those four. Okay. So, uh, but no other, like, you know, honorifics or anything like that. Like, nobody ever called you, uh, I don't know, high soul. Stringy. Or... Stringy? Yeah, I, I had good strings on my guitar. You were a pretty lanky guy, and I'm realizing this now as I booked you guys for the same show, is that you both are pretty, like, gangly, limmy people. Uh, I you know? disagree. I f- really? I, oh, I ate a box of raisins last night, and I just feel <laughs> bloated. I don't, I don't, I'm surprised I fit into my doty right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, jeez. Your doty? That's I the... was just sitting and crying and eating those raisins. You, was this just... was like, you, you felt like you were trying to eat your feelings away, Gandhi? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm, I understand. Jimmy, you were, uh, I'm assuming, uh, famously thin because of your drug use. I mean, is that a fair assumption no that's not a fair assumption at all <laughs> no, i don't want to offend you right well, now. that did offend me very much uh I'm sorry. No, I, uh all of my clothes were made of velvet and velvet does not give all right so you just got to keep yourself in the exact shape you were when you bought it i see so you can't gain weight cannot because your velvet clothes will not give you any leeway whatsoever no leeway oh my god i, I think should try velvet mm-hmm. i think you're doing pretty good with just the uh, would, you, would you call it a dapu a doti a doti uh-huh that is, uh, no, I think it's a, it's a cool choice. I think it works really well with, you know, wh- who you are as a person. Like, you know, you're the spiritual leader, you know, you... That's not actually why. Uh, no? You know, I went from Western clothes to, you know, uh, Indian clothes just because uh, I couldn't fit. I was just, uh, uh, I was pudging out, you know, and... I don't know if that's... And then I had to make my own clothes just because it was just, I couldn't keep up. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't think that's a, that's a fair thing to say about your own physique. I'm starting to worry that maybe you have some body image issues, Gandhi. Oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks good. I mean, no, I, I think you both have nice bodies. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to sound weird or anything. I don't want to give you guys any, uh, any self-consciousness at all. Uh, but you're both very skinny guys. And to think otherwise, I think, is a little bit uh, off 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 the mark, I would say. I think we're three fit guys sitting in a room just talking to each other. All of us in great shape. Well, let's agree to disagree. Okay. All right. So, uh, uh, Gandhi, uh, you, we touched on this earlier. Like, you were trained as a lawyer. Like, you used to dress in Western clothes. Uh, and you go to work for South Africa. And, uh, and uh, that is where you first experience the discrimination that leads you to your life's calling of being this civil rights leader. Isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they didn't like us in South Africa. You know, they had mm-hmm. to... Make us, uh, you know, identification cards, even though we're doing work for him. Yeah. So you were, you're saying this as an Indian person. So people from India and also the the Africans that were living there, the black Africans that were living there. Yeah, the natives. Were uh, discriminated against. Did you did you bond with the uh, the native Africans over the way that the white people were treating both of you guys? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, we hated it. It was terrible. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, what, what was some of the treatment that you would get? You know, that maybe sort of like led you to being, you know, like angry about the, the state of affairs. I'm getting beat. <laughs> I don't know. Do I have to explain this to you, Jared? <laughs> well, like, I don't know. I was like, I, I read that classic like classic oppression. I, I read that you got like kicked out of first class on a train. And I was like, oh, that's very specific. You know, like I, I know that there's probably like a, a, a lot of uh, 
uh, native Africans who were like, oh, you got kicked out of first class? Oh, you poor thing. I mean, Jimi Hendrix, you're, you're black. You, you must... Uh, uh, have, you know, thoughts on the different levels of oppression that different people get, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In America, yeah. it's a lot worse for black people. <laughs> it 100% and It seems like is. that uh, nothing's changed Yeah, since, it's... <laughs> since the very beginning. I, uh, I All wish through that we... the spaces and times of eternity. Mm-hmm. I wish that we could have made more progress, but unfortunately we haven't. But, like, were there other examples than, you know, getting kicked out of your first-class cat car on a train? You're really stuck on that. <laughs> I'm just saying, it just seems like How about a very... when we were burning our identification cards and mm-hmm. we got beat over the head with sticks. That happened to you, Mahatma Gandhi? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, I just Watch was... the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think that was a good portrayal of you? I mean, I know people people get angry at Ben Kingsley for not oh, yeah. being Indian. No, no, he's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it, uh, was it an honor to be portrayed by such a revered actor in that film? Yeah, yeah. I wish I could meet him. Like, uh, I can't get near him. Mm, what? To I've uh, sent some letters. Really? Yeah. And he hasn't. And he hasn't gotten back to you at uh, all. I think he he's got creeped out by it. Mm, well, what were some of the things that you were putting in the letters? Oh, uh, hey, uh, this is you. <laughs> I'd like to meet you. You see how that could be confusing, though, because like he played you in a role. It's very not... clear. <laughs> all right. We might have to agree to disagree on that one too. Uh, now, going over to Jimi Hendrix, uh, so you were born in Seattle. That's right. Uh, but Which, you know, eventually became this huge Washington. music city. Yes, mm-hmm. Seattle, Washington. Uh, but, you know, I'm guessing that it wasn't like a big music town when you were growing up no, there, right? No, I owned the only guitar in all of Seattle, Washington. You had the only was... guitar in Seattle? I had it chipped in. Really? On a lion's back. <laughs> I didn't think that it was that, you know, uh, devoid of music. I thought just maybe it wasn't the... The hustling boom of, of music. You understand the latitude and the longitude of Seattle mm-hmm. uh, doesn't agree with most people when it comes to music. Okay, so so like, what would people's windpipes get uh, chafed because of the air pressure or the, something? The, the pressure in the air, the Seattle winds and mm-hmm. the rains. Yeah. So you were uh, you, you're growing up there in Seattle. It's not a big you know uh, music town. What was the thing that inspired you to to go down that path? BB uh, King. Just. Just B.B. King? Just B.B. King. He came to Seattle one time. Uh, uh, his pl- airplane got rerouted. Okay. And, uh, so he I wasn't had... scheduled to perform there. Nope. Okay. No, uh, no music in Seattle at that point. All right. Uh, I met him. Uh, I carried his guitar to his car for him. I, how, did you, how did you get that gig? Like, were you just, like, on the street? Mm-hmm. And, I used uh... to carry bags to people's cars from the airport. Oh, like, that was a side hustle that you had. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So, so you're, you're there. You see B.B. King... You know, he's like, oh, my God, my, my flights, you know, got rerouted. And you're like, let me get your, your bags for you, uh, Mr. King. He said, get on a plane and play the blues. Well, he said that to you? Yes. He told you to get on the plane with him and play the blues? No, get on a different plane. He was, <laughs> he was going to the car. Jared, you need to listen. I'm listening. I just want to make sure that the story is clear. So, so, so he's leaving and he tells you to, you to get on a plane? Interesting. All right. So, so then, what did you do? Okay, when you're that white. You don't understand. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, is this a is this a thing that I'm not going to get because of the color of my skin, Mahatma Gandhi? Yeah. Why do you say my name with such duration? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that as somebody who fought for civil rights, you of all people should be against that kind of discrimination. I would. Think. No, I was saying it's common. You don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So this is this makes sense to you, Mahatma Gandhi? Yeah. Really? The only place 
a person could be free is on a plane. Okay, that's true. Did you go on the plane? Then, I got on the plane. Did you, what, what, did you know where the plane was going? No, I just, didn't. Not it, at it the was time. Any plane? Park City, Utah. All right. Did you have a guitar with you? I did. All right. Uh, so then you get on, you get on this plane to Park City, Utah, and you're playing the blues on the plane. Playing the blues on the plane. And that's your that was your inspiration to become a musician. Took a flight back right then and there. So you were. So you could already just play the guitar? You know, you, you, you meet B.B. King, he, he gives you a guitar, you go on a plane, and suddenly you can play it? Anybody could play B.B. King's guitar. Really? That's right. Wait, so he had like a magic guitar that anybody could play? Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that very hard to believe, but, you know, I'll believe. Uh, I read that... Uh... Jared, you're white. <laughs> yeah. Also, we're both Indian. He's Cherokee. I'm a uh, real Indian. I'm not sure that's 100% true, Mahatma Gandhi. Okay, Jimmy. Are you Cherokee at all? Do you <laughs> yeah, know? I'm part Cherokee. Part, well, part Cherokee that I believe. But I read something about your parents, uh, Jimi Hendrix, being from Africa, like African royalty, like had a lot of money. But then the next generation, your father was in the army, that sort of thing. Right. African royalty skips a few generations. <laughs> <laughs> now, I read that. And, you know, I, you're, you're telling me that the first instrument that you played was this B.B. Uh, King's magical guitar that anybody can play. Of course. Uh, but I read that the first instrument that you owned was a ukulele with one string that some like old woman gave to him and was like going to throw away. That's right. It was a gypsy woman. A gypsy... <laughs> I gypsy hit it with wo- my pedicab. I was riding a pedicab at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, my pedicab hit a gypsy woman. Oh, whoa. All right. She so- cursed me with a cursed ukulele with one string. Wow. That sounds like a... I said, this doesn't play music. <laughs> You can't do anything with this, I said. What is she? What was her reaction? She said, that? "Play on." Oh my god! Oh, with my ukulele string. I heard that uh, that you know you still learned how to play songs on this one string ukulele. That's pretty did, impressive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you 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 ran over a gypsy. Usually they curse you to bad things, but it seems like that was kind of a boon to you, right? Well, music is uh, what took me to the top, and you could say it's what killed me. So yeah, I guess it's that killed your pedicab career. <laughs> Definitely killed that. I haven't driven a pedicab since. Did you have any musical aspirations, Mahatma Gandhi? Well, I used to hang with Robbie Shankar. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you know, he's intense. Uh, what What do you mean by intense? Intense, man. He just, uh, you know, he gets into a trance. You can't, you can't get his attention. Mm-hmm. He's but playing a sitar, you know, like, like, would he days. hold eye contact a lot? Like that sort of kind nope, of intensity. None. none. No, really? Yeah. Huh, interesting. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. Who? Uh, Ravi Shankar? Oh, yeah. Uh, interesting. Uh, but you never played any instruments yourself, did you? Uh, well, you know, I, I've got like, a noise band I'm in right now. You got a, uh, sorry, what? A noise band, industrial noise band. Oh, so you're in an industrial noise band right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Mahatma Gandhi. What's the name of your industrial noise band? Uh, it's called uh, The Fast. It's called The Fast. Uh and uh, yeah, you guys, uh, how's it how's it going so far? Are you picking up any gigs or anything? It's not about gigs. It's just about it's just about playing the music. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you get money for it, you know, it's wrong. Mm. Is that how you feel, Jimi Hendrix? Like as soon as you start getting paid to uh, to make music, it it doesn't work anymore. It definitely takes away your hunger to to write songs. Oh mm. my God, I am just dreaming of a date right now. Hmm. What are you? It's just you like know, eating a, pomegranate. a date. I want to suck on a pomegranate. <laughs> oh jeez. I mean, uh, we have some fruit in the studio. I should go for a walk, like maybe here to like, uh, you know, maybe Pittsburgh or something, just to kind of, like, you know. Just to uh, burn off some of the weight from that oh, box yeah, of yeah, uh, yeah. raisins that you had earlier. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't worry about that. I mean, like, there are definitely things 
to protest here in America, but I wouldn't worry about that yeah. right well, now. Well, you know, yeah. the only thing that's skinny on me is my penis, okay? That's <laughs> uh, Oh, jeez. I don't know. I, I'm starting to think that we might need to have an intervention for you because you have a a very different idea of what you look like than what I think most people would. You know, and I know you both, Jimmy, that you said that you're two stoutly stoutly gentlemen here. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, very fit, very defined. Yeah. Lots of muscles. Uh, but it's not, yeah, I, I I don't think it's something you need to excessively work out over or... It's hot in here. You know. Oh, my God. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm worried about Gandhi. What are you worried about Gandhi for, Jimmy Hendrix? He he's sweating and he's shivering. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, if, there anything, if there's anything that we can do to give you more body positivity, I think that we should, Jimmy Hendrix. I think that's a, that's a thing that maybe both of us should be up on. Uh, while we're here, you okay. know, having this interview. Maybe we'll pepper in the interview with some compliments. Yeah, yeah, like how, uh, you know, uh, you know, you seem really healthy. You know, you seem like you look very healthy. You look great. You fit into all your clothes, stuff your like that. It's the perfect shape. It's an exact circle. It's, mm. it's precise. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Oh, ladies, uh, mothers. You're, you're a handsome man. Thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, anything... Anything you want to toss over, toss over my way, guys? Jared, that's a great hoodie. <laughs> Yeah, it's not bad. All right. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. And my guests today are American rock guitarist Jimi Hendrix right and uh, Indian independence leader Mahatma Gandhi. Howdy. Now, so uh, Gandhi, one of your big claims of fame as a civil rights leader was the use of nonviolent resistance. Uh, and how, how exactly would this work? Like, how would you implement nonviolent violent resistance to, to accomplish your goals? Well, we would say something to the British like, hey, uh, stop uh, oppressing us. Okay. And then they would hit us. Okay. They'd hit you over the head with batons or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that. And then, uh, you know, we'd fall down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then the next day we'd say, hey, you know, what's the deal? This is our country. Mm-hmm. They beat us some more. Okay. You know? And then, uh, you know, I went out for about 16 years. Okay. And then... Uh... And then I, I, I'm just struggling to see where the turn happens. Where well, a lot of people, you know, I'd be the first to admit I didn't have much of a plan. <laughs> okay. And when I watch the films now, I think like, oh, we should have hit back. Mm. Oh, so you think that it would have been smarter to to do violent resistance? I'd only got the first part down, which was like saying no, like, hey, let's get these guys out of here. Okay. And, and then, so in the heat of the moment, I was just like, ah, you know, and then mm-hmm. bam. It really seemed like it was a life philosophy of yours and not just something that you forgot to do. Hard to say. You know, <laughs> sometimes I get a little bit, you know, lightheaded. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it worked. That, that's what's so incredible about nonviolent resistance is that, you know, it, uh, it, it stopped uh, a, re- a religious war. You know, it, you got rid of, uh, you know, British rule on India. It was successful. I guess so. What do you mean you guess so? Like, India's a country now. It's its own country now. I sort of miss their accents. The British, they're really cute accents. You liked having the British in India. I I do like the accents. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good accent. No, I don't think any of us are going to argue that it's not a great accent. Uh, You know, British. Oh, Uh, my God. And the British prisons? It's like being on a cruise ship. Oh, jeez. Were they nice? Were they super nice? Oh, like a buffet you know like i was like hmm. oh i gotta get out of here because this is killing me were you ever in a british person that was better than where you were currently living oh yeah all the time really oh. was part of the reason why you f- were fighting for civil rights that you just get thrown in those super nice jails again no comment <laughs> <laughs> well jimmy you probably have some thoughts on this i mean i know that you spent most of your 
you know, early career, kind of establishing yourself in London, that's right? That's right, that's right. Yeah, were you drawn to the accents and the prisons as well? No, no, I, uh, I, you know, America just didn't understand my, my music. I mm. said, it's cool to play guitar backwards, and they said, no, it's not. Mm. So, hopped on a plane. Now, when you say backwards, this is interesting, because there's so many different ways the guitar could be played backwards. Mm -hmm. You were famous for, like, playing it over your head, you could play it with your teeth. I played but, it with my dick. But literally... I did that, Jared. I, I don't really the guitar so the strings were facing me. Did you ever do that on stage? I did that almost every night on stage. Really? Did Jared, you take it? You take a dick out of your pants? Jared, you need to watch some videos before <laughs> if you're going to bring me on. Yeah, who is this guy? Jared? I'm just. I just think that. Come it, on, baby. It, it would have been in your Wikipedia. They mentioned the playing behind the back. They mentioned you playing a, a right-handed guitar, left-handed. They they mentioned they you can't put the word dick playing. in a teen magazine, Jared. Mm -hmm. they, they, it was on Wikipedia. You they were could reading a teen magazine. I know what you were reading. I was. Re I'm sorry. Reading a teen magazine. Yeah. Do you think that I picked up a teen magazine published today? And there was an article about the life of Jimi Hendrix in it. Why wouldn't there be? Mm -hmm. I don't That's know. A, I haven't a really read a teen good, magazine. It's a, a really time. good question. Uh, There's a lot of tiger beats scattered around in here. <laughs> well, this isn't my studio. I just rent it out. You know, uh, you're a believer, aren't you? Hmm? Oh, no comment. Uh, now, Jimi Hendrix. We were talking a little bit about uh, you know British prisons, mm -hmm. and I read that you actually had to join the military because. You were arrested twice for riding in stolen cars. Is that correct? That's true, yeah. All right. Now, here's my question. Like, you never were driving these stolen cars. You were right. just riding in them. Mm -hmm. Did you have a friend that was just, like, stealing cars and you were just, like, going joy rides well, with them? Well, to be honest, I would break into the car and right. start the car. Okay. And then I put the car in drive and get in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so you, so nobody was driving the car then? There was no driver, what was, it, what was your thinking there, Jimi Hendrix? Is there ever a driver? In life, yeah, in cars, 100%. there is no driver. Most there. of the time, there's a driver. Jared, then you're thinking inside of a <laughs> tiny little box. That's just why Google's trying to replicate your work. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. Maybe yeah. maybe these uh, all these self-driving cars that we are seeing are simply... I'm just saying, a person of color comes up with an idea, and mm -hmm. then who takes it away from them? Just a bunch of white dudes. Ugh. Yeah. yeah it just makes me sick to think about. So you, uh, you know... Pioneer of the driverless car, Jimi mm -hmm. Hendrix, would steal cars, jump in the back, you sort of like let them go, you know, and... Uh, oh, the, the driverless car is the work that Google's trying to replicate. Oh, yeah. What did you think we were talking about? I thought there was going to be some kind of computer program where they try to do my guitar solos or something like No. That. I mean, as far as I know, that doesn't exist yet. It would yet. be pretty cool, though. It would be. It would be really right. nice. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Because, like, you know... Uh, Today, we worry about computers outsourcing all of our jobs. But, I mean, both of you did things that would be so hard for a computer to replicate. Like, you know, there could be no computer civil rights leader. There could be no computer, you know, uh, 60s electric guitar player, right? I mean, it would be difficult. <laughs> I would like to see them try. Uh, most of our struggle was done with computers. Not your struggle, oh, yes. Mahatma Gandhi. Yes. Really? Yeah, they were very rudimentary. Hmm. Like with the punch cards, like the uh, the the old original computers that uh, that that sort of like you know they almost looked like a card catalog. They were just no, no. There know. were thousands of people on abacuses. Oh, so you you consider that to be a computer? Yeah, it's the world's first computer. Yeah, that's true. I mean, not uh, you know, uh, I'm sure that yes, that could definitely be argued. Is uh, that not what a real computer is? Hmm? What'd you That's say? not what a real computer is? Well, no, I mean, hey, computers have advanced. I've got an abacus here. I could run any software you could give me. Right? On on your abacus? Yeah. I'm not sure. This, if I if I wanted to run Final Cut Pro... I could, I've could. i got After Effects on here. <laughs> I could 
I can make flames come out of your head right now. Mm, all right. Well, uh, you know, everybody should subscribe to the uh, video version of this so that... And no viruses. That's the great thing about Napicus. No viruses on Napicus. Mm. Uh, let's see here. I wanted to ask you more, Jimi Hendrix, about these driver's list cars. Uh, so when you got caught the first time, were you ever like, maybe I should stop sealing cars? Oh, no. It made me think, uh, wow. I should steal more cars. Why? Why would you think you should steal more cars? I was famous for uh, pioneering the driverless car. They said, that kid's crazy. Now, I'm he's, uh, hold he's playing second. guitar solos. Wait a minute. All right. So we are saying today mm-hmm. that maybe you were the pioneer of the driverless car. That's... But people in Seattle weren't talking about you. Like, have you seen this guy, Jimi Hendrix? He's, he's got this driverless car. That's not what happened, right? No, no, they were saying, uh, Jimmy's gotten arrested again, he stole the car. <laughs> he got in the back seat and just let it fly, baby. So when you when you got arrested the second time, they gave you an option, you could either go to jail or join the military, and you chose to join the military. And I chose to join the military. Do you regret the decision? No, absolutely not. I was uh, flying through the sky, mm-hmm. playing guitar, you know? Well, are you playing guitar on those planes as well? Yes. All right, interesting. I would, think that, with me out of the... I would think that, you know, being in the military, they wouldn't let you bring... A guitar. Bring it everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard you used to like jump out of planes and play your guitar. Mm-hmm. Did you really? Yes, I did. That seems really dangerous. I would worry that my guitar would fall out of my hands. And the then war I ended, didn't break. it? <laughs> ended the Vietnam War. That is uh, Jimi Hendrix and Mahatma Gandhi talking about Jimi Hendrix jumping out of planes, playing guitars, ending the Vietnam War. Really not sure that that's uh, historically accurate. Look it uh, up. Now, we touched on this a little bit, Mahama Gandhi, but you, you know, later in life, I read that you uh, sort of like walked back your love of nonviolent resistance. This is the quote that I read that you said, uh, where there is only a choice between cowardice and violence, I would advise violence. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, it hurts getting hit. Yeah, yeah that is something that I think we can all relate to. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we would save a lot of time. There were more of us, you know, kick somebody in the balls. That like that's a convincer. Mm-hmm. Do you think that if you had been violent, like maybe India would have been given its independence sooner? Yeah, probably in a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you recommend for the people that like you know we have these issues today that you know we need to to rate, rise up against? Do you recommend that we become violent? Oh yeah, yeah. I should bitch slap everybody that you don't like. We should bitch slap the people that we don't like. Yep. I don't know if you heard about this, but there's this um, there's this uh, contemporary uh, white power gentleman who has gone to a couple of Trump rallies and has been uh, uh, on on television been punched on the face by just like random people that's great. Uh, who who don't agree with his message. Is that something that you would advise Gandhi? You say that's a great thing to do. Just punch that Nazi in the face. I think he read my book, and I, you know, like good for him. Are you talking about the Nazi, or are you talking about the guy that the punched Nazi? Nazi? You think the Nazi read your book? Yeah. And then, but how? How is that possible? Like he well, would he just got punched, right? He didn't <laughs> do anything, did he? You think everybody who just gets punched read your book specifically about nonviolent resistance? Yes, that's an interesting theory. Uh, so, you both have this history of military experience, though, because like I know that uh, in an effort to get Indian independence, Mahatma Gandhi, you like. Uh, you recruited Indians to help in the various British wars, thinking that that would build, like, good grace with them, right? Well, you know, it's just a good way to get chicks. To be in the military? Yeah, uniform, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you, this is before you were wearing your dotty, it's called? Doty. Right? Doty, yes. Sorry, I have a really hard time 
remembering that. Another thing you guys have in common, just like very unique senses of of dress, you know. I I wasn't going to ask you about this earlier, Jimmy Hendricks, but since we're talking about it, like, you know, uh, what was the inspiration for your sort of like, you know, pe- people, even in the 60s, people were like, can you believe the way this guy is dressing, right? Uh, I guess it would be um, uh, Captain Crunch. <laughs> you saw a box. I saw his coat. And, uh, you saw a box of Captain know, I just Crunch. wanted to wear the same thing. All right. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of flamboyance mm-hmm. and a, a big hat. It was one of your big claims of fame early on. I know that when you did the Monterey Pop Festival, people mm-hmm. were just like blown away. You know, like you looked so unique and you looked so of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that must have probably helped your notoriety, right? Yeah, everybody really dug it. <laughs> was there any uh, w- was there any impetus there for you as well, Mahatma Gandhi, like to wear your dhoti, right? Yes. All right, cool. To wear your dhoti mood made you look more like a spiritual leader. Well, you know, it's mostly because it's loose, you know, mm-hmm. loose garment. But like yeah. our version of Captain Crunch is like he, you know, he doesn't. Yeah, we can't afford to dress him up as much, so. Wait, so you're saying that there was an Indian Captain Crunch that inspired your dress? Yes. Really? Yeah, it was a box of lentils. And, uh, <laughs> what was his name? Uh, it was uh, Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> that is a tiny bit offensive. That checks out. <laughs> We've got to take a short break, but we'll be right back with Gandhi and Jimi Hendrix. Stay famous with us. Famous Hey everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or on whatever app it is that you're using to listen to this show. Uh, if you're so inclined, rate us five stars, leave a comment. You could tell us how much you love us or hate us. I love constructive criticism. Uh, that stuff helps us out a ton. Tell your friends about us. Get your friends to listen to Famous Dead People. I would really appreciate that. And uh, hit us up at Famous Dead People Show at gmail.com if you want to shout some criticism into my electronic face or if you want to hear a specific Famous Dead person on this show. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear that you're listening. I want some feedback, damn it. Uh, so yeah, lastly, if you really like the show and you want to send us some money to help keep us on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash Famous Dead People and click on the Support This Show button. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the podcast. Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jarrett Berenstein. We are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, My guests in the studio today are American rock guitarist and songwriter Jimi Hendrix and civil rights and Indian independence leader uh, Mahatma Gandhi. What up? Now, so... Uh, Jimi Hendrix, you had a little bit of success in America before you went over to London, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that was where you sort of like exploded. Like that's when you started like meeting the more notable musical acts of the era of the '60s. You know, what do you think it was about the British that maybe keyed in a little bit better to what you were doing than the people in America? Uh, I think they were um, more uh, willing to accept uh, some some forward thinking music. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, they were more fun. Uh, well, the British, those are two stereotypes that I would not uh, associate with no, British they're people. Very fun. They're, that they're, they're uh, fun and open to new ideas. Yeah. That, does, does this track with how you understand the British, Mahatma Gandhi? Yeah, they've got, you know, they've got an envy. You know, like they went all over the world just trying to, like, get away from Britain. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they just needed 
to adopt other cultures. Okay. Because they were so open-minded? I, you know, I think they were so snobby, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, it seems like we're talking about two completely different British people. Like, you know, the British people that, that Gandhi's describing are the ones that I recognize, mm. you know. But it seems like yours were, like, way more laid back and fun. Oh, you know, it was a rebellion, you know. Mm. Rebelling against the past generation. Okay. Being so uptight. Interesting. wanted to cut loose. Do you wish that you could have been alive in the 1960s when Jimi Hendrix was prominent and maybe maybe the the British that were colonizing your country would have been a little bit more loosey-goosey and willing to give it back to you, you know? Oh hell yeah! Yeah, uh, let, let's walk walk me through the scenario. Like it, it's it's the sixties instead of you know the early nineteen hundreds, uh, and uh, you know you you know you, you you come up with this idea. You're like, I, I think that India should be its own nation. It shouldn't be under British rule anymore. And you go up to a nineteen sixties British person and you say, "What, Gandhi? Hey man, let's be free. <laughs> yeah, you know, let's just uh, let's just be beautiful and groovy." Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the British person is like, uh, yeah, sure, why not? It's, it's the 1960s. Yeah, totally. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would have yeah. been a lot easier. And you wouldn't have had to punch anybody or anything. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, by then they were like on our tip, you know. Like everybody wanted to be Indian. Everybody wanted to be Indian yeah, the in the Beatles, 60s. you know. Do you think the Beatles started that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there, there, I mean, I can't think of any other notable celebrities that did anything similar where like they would go to India and like bring that culture back. You Shakira. Know? <laughs> yeah or you know that song cashmere by uh, led zeppelin but that was a uh, technically not indian but mm-hmm. but that was also post beatles you know that wasn't oh, yeah. a yeah the uh, song big pimpin <laughs> uh also post beatles definitely no argument there uh so Jimi hendrix one of the moments that brought you to prominence in america we touched on it a little bit was this monterey pop festival right um you Famously, at the end of that, at the end of your set, at the Monterey Pop Festival, you light your guitar on fire. Mm. Now, you have said that you can play the guitar behind your head. You get, you you you've said that you can play it with your penis. Mm-hmm. You've said that you can play it with your teeth. All these things are true. What inspired you to just light your guitar on fire? Well, uh, my drummer at the time uh, said. Something similar to what you just said, that mm-hmm. I can play behind my head, I can play with my dick, I can play, you know, anyway, but yeah. can I play a guitar on fire? All right. And I said, yes, I can. Okay. And he said, no, I don't think you can. Oh, so this is a challenge from your drummer. And I said, yes, I could. I could. If it was on fire, I could play it. Okay. As long as it's got strings, baby. All right. He said, no, I don't think so. And then, and then I lit it on fire. And then, so this is like during the set, mm-hmm. you guys are having this conversation. Absolutely right. Really? Yep. Wow. I just watch the movie. <laughs> Please watch it if you're going to talk about it, Jared. I've seen the movie. I've se- I saw the documentary, and I just don't remember that happening. Well, it happened while we were still playing the music. Okay. So then, so then you light your guitar on fire, and I could not play it when it was on fire. So you, so you lost that bet. I learned a big lesson that day, Jared. <laughs> he tried though. You know, can't play it. You just got to let it burn, baby. I respect you. I respect you for trying that, at least. You, you got to try it once, right? Did, was it the fact that the fire was eating away the guitar strings that made it difficult to play? Also, the fire was quite hot. <laughs> Did you... Was that at all... I know that you you have a, a, a famous song, you know, that I has... more than one. <laughs> uh, that has the word fire in it. Right. You know? Fire yeah, is fire, the song you're talking exactly. about. Uh, did that... Was that the inspiration for that song, Fire? Sure, yeah. All right. Um... 
originally was "Let me play you while you're on fire." Okay, that was the, that was the title. Of the then song. I realized that I couldn't do that, so I changed the changed the lyrics to "Let me stand next to your fire." Oh, I see. Because um, that's pretty much what I was doing after could, I lit the fire. Do you remember the original lyrics from from "Please Let Me Play You on Fire"? That's the name of the song, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember any of the original lyrics? Uh, <clears throat> sure. Yeah, I'm All sure right. I can remember a few of them. Uh, okay. Uh, I light you up. All right. I get you smoking. Okay. Then I pluck your strings while you're on fire. Uh, the band didn't care for that, though. Uh, that... They thought it was been really cool if I could <laughs> play a guitar on fire, and it turns out I couldn't. Oh, I see. Were there any other things that you tried to do to your guitar? Like maybe, I don't know, uh, any, any other way that you, maybe your drummer bet you that you could or could not play this guitar? Mm, I tried to uh, play with um, somebody else's hands once. You play, so you would hold the guitar and somebody else would play the guitar? No, or? no, I would uh, put the guitar on another person and then grab their hands and try to make them play the guitar. Well, that's interesting. I mean, that could be a really cool uh, visual effect, but it never worked whatsoever. No, no. Turns out you need to practice for a long time. <laughs> Have you ever tried to play it underwater? Ooh, Oh, underwater. yeah, absolutely. I got electrocuted. Mm -hmm. It's an electric guitar. I <laughs> forgot about that when I got in. Well, you used to play. That was your first year after the ukulele. I read that you uh, then asked your dad for an acoustic guitar. He got it for you. The only one in Seattle. You mm -hmm. said, right. uh, and then that after was my that, bath guitar. That was your bath. Yeah, I played that in the bathtub. Uh, I also read that you had a band, and that you realized that you were getting drowned out on the acoustic guitar, mm -hmm. and so you asked your dad for an electric guitar instead. He got that for you. That's right. So my question is. Why didn't you stick with the ukulele? You had this ukulele that the gypsy woman gave you, we, mm -hmm. as we talked about, that had the one string on it. So why didn't you stick with the cursed instrument? Yeah, no, why didn't, no, why didn't you stick with... Someone uh, broke into my trunk and stole it. Someone stole the Someone cursed... Someone stole my one string ukulele. Ukulele? Yeah, I left my trunk open for just that exact thing because I didn't want it. It was cursed. <laughs> so you were hoping that somebody would steal the ukulele. I was hoping somebody would steal it, and if you leave your trunk open long enough, somebody will, Jared. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I was just thinking, like, since it was your first instrument, getting this cursed ukulele, that I would just continue with the ukulele, probably. You could have yeah. become a famous ukuleleist. Oh, uh, like who? <laughs> like who? Name the uh, one you're thinking of. Uh, Rich Little, I mm. think, right? Mm. No, I don't think he played ukulele. I think he did. Um, or, oh, God. Uh, mm. There was that guy. Tiny Tim. Tiny yeah. Tim! That's mm. who I was thinking I had of. to name him for you. Yeah, thank you. Though. Uh, That's who broke into your trunk. Ooh, maybe. He looks like there's a curse on him. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that long after he, you know. Uh, there's also the guy that did the uh, the new ukulele version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow that was oh, popular right. in yeah, the early 2000s. Israel. I met him. Hmm? What's his name? Israel. Uh, Israel. Hawaiian. Yeah, and his name is Israel, which I think is pretty, that's interesting. Um, yeah, you could have been one of those guys, you know. And, uh, and so much more... You know, innovative. I'm not saying that there was anything wrong with where your career went, but I'm just saying that, you know, there are so few famous ukuleleists. You could have, you know, been ten times as notable like as Don you are Ho. today. Well, like uh, here, I'll suggest this to you then. Uh, All right, go on to YouTube, type in Jimi Hendrix ukulele cover, and you'll probably find a lot of reasons on why I didn't do that. I think that's fair. And for those of you listeners at home, give give that a go. Give that a try. Uh, now, going back to you, uh, Gandhi, uh, so you go back to India when you're 46 years old, uh, and you start your fight for uh, Indian independence uh, from British rule, and, you know, we talked a little bit already about what it was like, you know, the nice prisons and everything. It was kind of a midlife crisis. I felt like, geez, you know, I got to do something. You got to... <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm just sitting on my ass, mm. just filling my face. I think that I think that there, you're not being fair to your own legacy. Like you did so much for uh, civil rights in South Africa. Wow, you my know, poor wife. Every time I tried to make love to her, it'd be like this whale on top of her, <laughs> sweaty, just wheezing. Uh, and she's like, she's like. Papu, get out of here. <laughs> well, what did she say? She said, Papu, get out of here. Was there any reason? It was just like, do something. Do something. She never commented on your weights. Not publicly. But she used to say things to you? Oh, yeah. I think maybe we we found the source, we found the source. of your body image issues, Mahatma Gandhi. I think maybe you, you were in an abusive relationship. I think you were being gaslit. Well, she was devoted Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way that they do it. That's that's uh, that's the way that they emotionally manipulate you is that they they seem very devoted and everything, but then their criticisms seem all that more um, all that more relevant and that all that more honest because they're so devoted because they seem so devoted to you. Yeah, all I wanted to do was make her love me. Mm-hmm. And so and so I think that she's the one who put these ideas in your head. Uh, that that you are a fat person when you're not when you're oh the skinniest person. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh jeez. Wow. <laughs> We're having a breakthrough. This you are holy cow. Mm-hmm. Ah. I want to eat something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well you, we have plenty of fruit in the studio. There's so lots of fruit. There's fruit everywhere. Feel free to underneath some of the tiger beets. I have a couple oh. of uh I got a couple of dates. I got a couple of figs. I want to have sex with this pear right now. Oh jeez. <laughs> oh no. Let's uh let's restrain that impulse if you can. Uh, so we talked a little bit about you know uh, what it was like for you under British rule, but there was a part of you you know that didn't like it, right? Like you said that they had great jails, that they had great accents, um, but obviously you were trying to go for independence for some reason, right? Yeah, they were kind of jerks. What was so what was so jerky about them? Well, you know, like uh, they would take our resources, you know. Um, you know, they take our cotton and they ship it up to, you know, uh, Britain, mm-hmm. sell us back cotton, like woven, you know, like textiles mm-hmm. in a high price. You know, typical, like the British, you know, they basically, that's what they do. It's like mm-hmm. they go someplace, you know, they take the materials, you know, they manufacture it, then they sell it back to you at higher prices. Mm-hmm. And this was something that you felt was unfair to India, to the country of India. Oh, yeah. It took jobs away from us. Mm-hmm. Is that a, is that an issue that you feel still connected to, like jobs? You know, just uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We got to bring jobs back to India. Yeah, was that uh, you know? I, I understand that you spent a little time in politics when you were in India. Did you ever have any? Oh, I don't know, uh, a slogan for your campaign? You know, uh, something that something that people that were fans of yours could rally around. Yeah, I was just like my my whole thing was tech support. I was like, we need to bring tech support jobs here. You wanted to bring tech support jobs to India? Yeah. For what? For abacuses? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, what who of, knows more about computers than us? That I mean, uh, arguably nobody. But I just think that the computers back then, the abacuses were so simple. I just can't imagine that they would need tech support of, Simple. of the, the... Let's see you do some calculations on an abacus. Um, I don't... I'm not, I, I, I know a little bit about how an abacus works, so I think I could do like some simple things, you know? You don't even know which way to slide the beads. <laughs> Is it from right to left? I'm not going to say. 
had a 50% chance of getting that right. Uh, now, Jimi Hendrix, uh, you know, so you, we talked a little bit about how you lit your, your guitar on fire and all mm. the different things that you, you know, had done to your guitar, but we never talked about, you know, your first uh, experiences with it. Like, you're famously left-handed, uh, yeah. and, um, you know, your father was like, I'm not getting you a left-handed guitar. You're going to play it right-handed because left-handed people are of the devil. Mm-hmm. And so you just taught yourself how to play this right-handed guitar left-handed. Right. I had to string it upside down and, mm-hmm. uh, and then just not get caught. And just not get being caught. left-handed. Oh, yeah. And so would your, do- would, your, would your father be upset at you if he discovered what you'd done to this oh, guitar? Oh, yeah. He's, uh, he's tried to cut my hand off several times. Tried to cut your hand off? cut it off. He said, this is the devil's hand. Oh, my God. The left hand. Yes. Oh my God. That's... Same, same as he did with uh, my the rest of my brothers and sisters. Wait. So how many how many brothers and sisters did you have? Five. You had five brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So you're six of five. One of six. That's right. One uh, of six. And he cut off everybody's hands everybody's in your family. Left hand. Really? Yep. Oh my God. How how is it that you managed to escape that same grisly fate, Jimi Hendrix? I would. Uh, I heard it grew back. The hands grow back? Well, my hand grows back. Mm, that can't be true. If you know what you're doing, dude. <laughs> All right. There's somebody... If you love the music. Then your hand will grow back? If you take the ride. So, but how, I mean, but your father, you said your father didn't cut your hand off. Did and didn't. See, you have to understand the idea of duality. Mm-hmm. You know, there are contradictions. There are contradictions in life. No, I get that. I understand that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, I just, uh, I find it very hard to believe that uh, anybody can grow a hand back after it's been cut off. What about a lizard? <laughs> All right, I stand corrected. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us, you listen to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are American rock guitarist Jimi Hendrix and civil rights leader Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, now, we touched on this a little bit earlier, uh, Gandhi, because you were talking about, you know, maybe taking a march to you know, work off some of the weight that, thankfully, we've worked past that image that you have of yourself uh, as of, of being a heavy person. Uh, but one of your famous uh, protests was the salt march that you did. Yep. Uh, would you just, um, you know, for the people that might not know at home, would you mind describing that for us? Yeah, well, basically, you know, uh, the British wouldn't let us put salt on our, on our food, you know. It was like they wanted all the salt for themselves. So, uh, was it they, they wouldn't let you salt your food. Yeah. How, how would they police that? Like, like were you able to to buy salt? Uh, they'd police it with police. <laughs> <laughs> they would but taste I mean... our food, and if it was salty, <laughs> you got arrested. Okay, so so you're saying that Do you have British... experience in anything? I do. I do have a lot of experience. It's just that what you're saying doesn't track with what I think, and so I'm asking for clarification, which I don't think is that So what you think is bounds. the source of all knowledge? What you think... No, I just think that I have the a, library of Jarrett Bernstein. I think I have a good frame of reference for things, and if something doesn't track up there, then I have the right as an interviewer to ask about that thing. You've got a little fantasy world down here. <laughs> so you're saying the British didn't want you to salt your food. So what was your? So what were you going to do to stop this, Gandhi? I was like, okay, well, where can we get some salt? Ah, the ocean. All right. So I was like, yeah, let's you know, I like brought a sandwich out there. So you brought a sandwich to the ocean. Yeah, we dipped it in the water and it was like, great, salty. How far away were you from the ocean at the time? Oh, it was longer than I expected. 
It's like a thousand miles or so. That's what I read. I read that it was like over a hundred miles that you that you marched to put salt on your sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you so as as this as this trip is happening, as this march is happening, um, you know, at any point do you think this is too far? I should not be walking this far just for salt for my sandwich. Oh, I had those thoughts, but mm-hmm. You know, but I was also like, oh, there's a sandwich at the end of this walk. Okay. So then you so then you go, you put this, you dip your sandwich in the ocean yep. to get salt on it. Uh-huh. Then did you eat the sandwich? No, I looked at it. Okay. And then what happened? Well, I gained a pound. <laughs> Do you regret that now? I mean, like you, now knowing that you are not the fat person that you once thought you were because of your uh, manipulative... Uh, wife's behavior uh, do you think the, do you wish that maybe you had eaten the sandwich that you had traveled so far to go dip into the ocean I could have stayed in London <laughs> I got a successful like uh, barrister you know? mm-hmm. yeah you could have well what I mean but this was a protest this march that you took to the ocean surely there were some ramifications to you I'm just saying before like my wife fat shamed me I was <laughs> like I had it pretty good yeah you had a pretty good life over in London yeah I was you know a member of the empire mm-hmm you walked 100 miles, ate a sandwich, and gained a pound? No, he no, no I he looked at it. He looked at the sandwich, oh. and, he, okay. and he thinks I he gained a pound. I the bread. Okay. Mm-hmm. But surely, there, were there any ramifications from the British for this uh, for this march that you took down to the ocean? Oh, yeah. Was, they arrested me. Okay. And then put you in one of these super nice... Salt jails. The, the what? Salt jail. Salt jail. Yes. There was a special jail for people that put salt <laughs> on things in India. Yeah, they're very organized. They, mm-hmm. they like things in categories. So they had different jails for every crime? Yep. So there was like a murder jail. There was a... Uh-huh. Uh, uh, there was a, a jaywalking jail. Well, jaywalking... Because uh, oh, that, that's actually the first example that I was going to use. But I read that jaywalking wasn't a crime until uh, later on. And it was it started in America. I could be wrong about that. But. Uh, the British have been arresting people way before the car. Mm-hmm. Really? For jaywalking? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm, interesting. You just walking before cars? What's this your experience? I don't know if you ever went to jail in while you were in London, Jimi Hendrix. Um, oh, I but, did. Yeah. I mean, I know that you had uh, some some issues with drugs and alcohol, so I can yeah. imagine that you would have stayed out of jail while you were there. Oh, yeah. Well, I went to jail uh, in London, mm-hmm. of course, yeah. Uh, well, we was on the tour nice bus. Nice jails, really nice, nice jails. jails. Yeah. Really good jail? Yeah. Were you put in a, a very specific jail, the way that Gandhi said he was put in a salt jail? Mm-hmm. Uh, what which jails were you put in? A uh, driverless car jail. <laughs> uh, I started up the tour bus and then went back and took a nap with my guitar. Were there was, other Were there other people in that jail? I'm just curious. It's for the record, there was a couple. It was a, <laughs> for the record. It was a self driving double deck bus bus jail. So, true, oh, so there were even true, yeah. individual jails for different kinds of cars mm-hmm. that you could, yeah, yeah. like a a driverless Accord, a driverless VW bus. I saw a friend in the driverless pedicab <laughs> jail. <laughs> But uh, ever ever a drug jail or, or an alcohol jail? Any oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I mean, so here's the thing. I guess this is my question because I, I, my experience of prisons is that they're not separated like that. Is there a difference? Like if I put you in a salt jail, would you look around and go, oh, I'm definitely in a salt jail right now? Or would you say, oh, this might be a driverless car jail. This might be a drug jail. Who knows? They do that so you don't pick up other skills. Ooh, that's smart. Okay. Yeah, yeah they should do that in America because you put uh, somebody who's in for a drug charge in with a murderer, suddenly they're learning all these murder skills. It's also uh, because uh, that way you don't have to ask what they're in for, and the, the British are very polite. Mm. And that would be rude. 
I like that. No, yeah, that makes sense. But but does it look really cuts down on conversation? Mm. (laughs) Which is important. You got to cut down on conversation, I guess. Uh, Now going back to Salter. What'd you say? With the Salter. With the Salter. You don't want to talk to them. You don't want to talk to somebody who's put salt on food. No, those guys are hardcore. Uh, Now going back to Jimi Hendrix. uh, This is something I did not know, but like you had reached. A level of success during your life. Like I was a big Jimi Hendrix fan when I was growing up. Mm. Uh, I had always imagined that you were always sort of like on the underground, you know, like popular, but not like super popular. But by the, by the time Woodstock rolled around, you were the highest paid rock musician in the world. Oh, is that true? I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. All I care about is making the best music I can. You know? mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's very... Uh, that's, uh, that, and I, drugs. <laughs> and, I do also and love doing drugs, drugs quite a bit. Uh, I so, brought some for everybody if anybody wants to try some. Do you think that if we want to try drugs? Some heroin. Mm-hmm. We want to just try heroin? Jared, have you tried it? I, I mean, I haven't, but I read that you shouldn't, so I'm going to stay away from it. Have you heard a song that says you should? Have I heard a song? Mm-hmm. No. What song says I should try All heroin? All my songs. <laughs> do you want to you walk us through some lyrics, Jimi Hendrix, of... Uh, of a, a a song that will inspire you to try uh, heroin. Well, burning of the midnight lamp. Okay, It'll hit hit me. Uh, well, it's more about the, <laughs> the guitars. <laughs> the guitars in the song. Uh, if you play them backwards, they all say try heroin. I see. I understand. Play the song backwards. And so my my question was going to be what you did well, the money that you made as the highest paid rock musician in the world. But I'm guessing it was just drugs, just based on the way that you're talking. I donated a lot of it. You donated money. Yeah. Oh, what, what was I that? I knew I was. Uh, uh, I donated to um, lefties, to uh, left-handed people. Yeah, left-handed, That's a good cause. Uh, yeah. A charity for lefties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, all of it. Did you, as a as a left-handed person, giving these donations to left-handed organizations? Did you see any progress in that area? Like, you know, was there more? left-handed awareness was there were there more after school programs that sort of thing there were left-handed scissors mm-hmm. uh came out of that okay uh, well you see a lot of left-handed people that still have their hands on mm-hmm. and that thanks to Jimi hendrix yep oh, interesting now I, there's another uh another connection you guys didn't i did not know when was the last you time you saw somebody with a left hand that was a stump that was just a stump i can't um, even think of one i can't no that's i mean i can't think can't of one think of one I'm sure they exist, though. That doesn't sound that far well, off. Let's base. pretend they don't. <laughs> uh, so, one of the things that was uh, so notable about your uh, appearance at Woodstock, Jimi Hendrix, was you play this version of the national anthem that is so iconic and so uh, of the time that you know it becomes sort of like this. Uh, this anthem for the 1960s, mm. you know, was that your intention going into, you know, the the uh, your version of the of the national anthem? Uh, no, I didn't realize I was playing the national anthem. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know what song I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I just started to play, and that's what came out. And uh, mm. it just happened coincidentally to come out as the national anthem. That's incredible. That that was. I mean, it's such. It's it's a it's a moment that is so. Uh, you Francis Key Scott went through the same thing. He didn't know he's writing the national anthem. Oh, so he, the guy who wrote the national anthem, like just sort of like accidentally scrawled out something, and it ended up being the national anthem. Jared, have you ever uh, written a joke and then uh, found out that that joke already exists? Um, I did. Yeah, I did once. You know, we call that hack when when you write right. a joke that's accidentally, so obvious. Accidentally, yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, 
That's what happened with the national anthem. You thought you were writing a new song. I was just writing a song, just on the spot. And then when I got done, I was like, oh, Jimmy, that's the national anthem. (laughs) Again. Again. Were you you super bummed because you were like, oh, I thought I had a new hit on my hands? I was a little bit bummed out. But hey, you just got to, you know, Mm -hmm. do more drugs. Uh, So going back to Gandhi, um, you know, one of the tenets that you uh, ascribed to in your life was um, abstinence from uh, drugs and alcohol uh, and from sex. Uh, but very controversially, a couple of biographers have come on record and said that you actually indulged in sex. You used your position as a religious leader to have sex with lots of young women. Would you care to comment on that? Is there any truth to that statement? Wow. <laughs> I was told there were going to be some kind of gotcha questions on this interview. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Well, listen, uh, we oh. we don't uh, we don't censor here on famous dead people. It's really uh, what are you trying to do? I just wanted to know. You know, we have you here. You're alive in the studio. We want to get to the truth. What answer do you want? Jared? Mm-hmm. I want the truth, Mahatma Gandhi. Do you? Yeah, I do. I had sex with them. Oh. All of them. All of them. Everyone. That's all right. Oh my God. Mahatma Gandhi, do you have any regrets? Like, I know that... Hey, I was living day to day. <laughs> I needed some flavor in my life. There was no salt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not even after the salt march, there was no salt? Nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's historically inaccurate, but... Uh, did you... I mean, you were famous for other kinds of abstinence, besides sexual abstinence, were you? Was that a lie? Also, did you not fast? Did you? I had not... abstinence. Abstinence. <laughs> That's where you. You were abstaining from abstaining. Yep. Mm, all right. Did you? Did you not fast? Were you actually eating? Did you? Uh, did you have drugs? Did you have alcohol? I did everything. I even polluted. You were. <laughs> I opened up a factory that just made nothing but pollution. <laughs> just a pendulum. You swing one way, Gandhi, then another way. You Gandhi, know? we are so disappointed in you. You're it's like, like a, the yo-yo. You're an icon. Jimi Hendrix, back me up on this. Like, that's disappointing. Well, yeah, it's interesting, though. Isn't it creative? <laughs> a factory with nothing in it. I didn't say worship me, man. That is, that is pretty poetic. Uh, well, that is all for this week's episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my guests, uh, Jimi Hendrix and Mahatma Gandhi, for joining us in the studio today. I only have one more question. Uh, I know it's a little bit weird, but I like to end every interview asking if uh, the guests have any comedy shows or, or Twitter they want to plug, like anything you guys are really fans of that you want to that you want to mention on the air. Yeah, uh, uh, get on Twitter and um, follow uh, at Mr. Joe Miles M R J O E M I L E S. Also on Venmo. All right, and uh, <laughs> you want them to just Venmo you some money? Venmo, Venmo that kid some money because he's going places. <laughs> and uh, Mahatma Gandhi, anything? Uh, yeah, you can see my improv group. Uh, uh, we were just on the corner. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're That's doing just, uh, me and Rick Andrews. You, Mahatma Gandhi, and Rick Andrews are just doing some improv on the corner. No, it's just uh, it's just Rick. <laughs> I think I know about that. Well, if you have any questions you'd like to ask your favorite dead person, please email that to us at famousdeadpeopleshow at gmail.com. We'll try to have them on as soon as we can. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Famous dead people, famous dead people, famous dead people.